Hey, dum-dums, welcome to Collar Radio Episode 9, the only radio show that is also a podcast that is also the third leading cause of heart disease in dogs. We've got some great music tonight, straight from the Japanese underground. I'm talking bands like Catasexual Urge Motivation, bands like Hater, bands like Death Pops, and Anal Volcano, and Gozen. You'll also hear crickets throughout the entire episode, and that is not a band. Those are actual insects. Because we recorded this episode in the dog days of summer in a room that was not soundproofed. But you know what? I like the sound of crickets. It reminds me of summer nights and easy living, and I bet it reminds you of that as well. But before we get to all that great music and crickets, we're going to talk to Mac Ketchum, the dictator for life of Kala, and someone who also books a lot of shows in and around Tokyo. And he's going to tell us all about how that works. Later on, we're going to have Jared, a young man who writes for Kala, and he's going to talk to us about the history of modern protest music in Japan, as well as the incredibly restrictive laws in this country that ensure no one will ever hear any protest music ever. But first, a song titled Serves You Right by Velvet Worm, one of my favorite bands, Kala Radio, episode 9. sadly now defunct. Their last show was just a little while ago. My name is Aaron Crawl, and I'm here with Matt Wetmouth Sounds Ketchum. <laughs> we, we decided that was your... Uh, is that my nickname now? Yeah, that's, that's your call sign. I believe they call it now. And once again, Tom Giles is not present because we, ha- we started a coup, a military coup. We knocked him on the head, we stole the show, and we are taking it on the road leaving him behind. No, we're not. We just, uh, we're not in the usual chaos theater. Theater. It's not a theater. It's a studio. It's a studio. It's a studio. But Tom Giles was unavailable, but we didn't want to leave you without an episode, so we're going ahead anyway, doing this lo-fi. In a special this, place, too, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, special place. In, in the cave, the yes, deepest cave. The deepest, darkest cave that we have. We're here. We're doing it. We're ready to go. Uh, Matt, you were at Anomalous Collision not the most recent one. Yeah, over at 20,000 Volt. Yes. Niman yeah. Danatsu. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was sort of a strange show. Um, it was self-deconstruction. Yeah. Um, Velvet Worm, who were amazing. They're like, what if the cramps were three I, yeah. crazy gals? Like, I think I was outside talking to Begrebnis when they were playing. <laughs> Entirely possible. Oh, because... Halfway through the show, they really switched gears and they brought out 
this woman in like a black cocktail dress and she had her fancy little piano man yeah. come out on the piano and she sang like the kind of ballads you would expect to see a bunch of salary men listening to in a bar or maybe yeah that's period. Inca that would be Inca music most likely I don't know if I'd go so far to call it Inca but it, was, it, was like, it was like 1950s pop like Japanese pop stuff yeah yeah it sounds like Inca Velvet Worm blew me away I loved those gals took me a year to see them again and I caught them at the last show. Well, because that's the thing, though, because that was, I think it was billed as their last show. And even on Facebook, and it was on Twitter as well, and a number of people were commenting and reposting it, was they, they said, you know, Kaisansuru, which is, hey, we're breaking up. Yeah. Right? It was announced officially. And then... And then, like, a, a num- month later. Maybe not a month, <laughs> but, like, two months later, suddenly they're, they've played, I think, like, two... Sh- so I'm really uncertain of their status right now, honestly. Well, joining us tonight, as always, is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Who's hey, Jean. in the corner, making sure that when we he's swear, in the, he's in the, he will... Yeah, he's in the bathroom right now. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh. he just had all that ramen. Yeah, what always amazes me, that he knows exactly when we're going to use a word that the... FCC does not want us to use on public on a public broadcasting forum. How does he do that? I've asked him, and he won't. You can't get a straight answer to that guy. I asked him point blank, like, "What is your take on the whole Israel Palestine thing?" And he kept his mouth shut. Well, you also saw him doing the splits between the trucks, right? So uh, it's magic. That's all it is. His reticence in regard to <laughs> talking about Israel. Well, speaking of Israel, worst segue ever talking about <laughs> Israel. Um. A couple episodes ago, I was, you and Tom Giles, the yeah. typical British host of Kyle Radio. This is, what was it, Sultry? Uh, I believe sultry we, voice. we didn't call it Sultry, we called it... Dulcet. Dulcet. There, there it is, there it dulcet is. Dulcet yeah. tones. That's it. Speaking of Israel, no, um, we, he was talking about a band, and he compared them to Cannibal Corpse, and that... You only need to buy one of their albums because they all kind of sound the same. And in response to that, I remember hearing that as I was editing the episode. Mm. And just by pure coincidence, I had been listening to a lot of Cannibal Corpse recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wish he were here today. Um, well, you do have your phone. Well, I would want him to discuss it on the show. Yeah, I, I, I could probably call him and be like, why are you calling me? Who uses their phone as a phone anymore? Yeah. And then he'd probably say something hurtful like he always does yes he's so mean to us but uh, he's not wrong but there are still Campbell Corpse albums that I like more than others right so you can't really say that they're doing the exact same thing on every album because some albums are better than others you could say like well they're doing what Campbell Corpse does better some albums than others it's a natural progression that any band well if you know would you say that they have progressed their sound Compare them, for instance, to something like Gorguts, who, correct me if I'm wrong, started as a pretty typical 90s death metal band, right? The reason I brought that band, Gorguts, up in particular is because I think a year ago, maybe longer, I saw an article on Metal Sucks. It was titled, I can't remember the title, but it was basically the author was complaining that once upon a time there was this pretty great death metal band called Gorguts, and then they got their heads shoved up their ass and they loved the smell of their own farts too much and became this super pretentious (laughs) blah 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 band. And I was reading this like, what are you you talking about? Like, Gorguts is great now. Mm. I haven't heard a lot from way back in the day. 
but everyone tells me that they were just a pretty run-of-the-mill death metal band, but now they're actually doing something interesting. Right. And then everyone in the comments was just tearing the author to shreds, being like, you're an idiot. You... Well, it's the internet, right? I mean, that happens, basically. <laughs> you're in, If you put yourself out there publicly on the internet, you're inviting, but, basically, disaster. <laughs> like I said, two, pole, you know, two bands on either side of the spectrum, one of, of a band that changed their sound as they progressed, and one that pretty much stayed the same flavor. Now we move on to what's happening in the Tokyo scene these yes, days. Yes, okay, that's, yes. What is happening in the Tokyo scene these days? Matt, what's the last show you went to? Oh, God, good question. I've spent... Oh, right, the Hardcore Circus. <laughs> yeah, that was all the way out in Kumagaya, um, which is strange. It was Where actually... Is Kumagaya? Kumagaya is way out in Saitama, I think. It's a good... I think it's only like an hour and a half by train, but it is a very precarious course. You know, that, you're running the gauntlet train-wise. There's a bunch of different transfers that if you don't take, you're not going to get to the right spot. And in fact, you're going to go like three hours out of the way. Um, fortunately, this time, uh, I have been there once before about eight years ago. Um, so I kind of remembered how to do it. And in fact, I didn't remember. I just got lucky is actually what happened. <laughs> um, but it was, it was interesting because it was like eight, seven or eight years ago. Um, it was the first time that I saw Corrupted. Um, kind of the preeminent Japanese, call it doom, call it sludge, call it whatever you will. If you know anything about Japanese music, you'll probably know Corrupted. And that was the first concert that I went to with Kala's photographer, Chris Granham. Mm. And I still have that t-shirt. And I remember I, it took me like five hours to get out there the first time. <laughs> but I still saw Corrupted because they're so slow. <laughs> but, well, let me tell you about the Hardcore Circus. Um, it was the second day of a two-day festival. Um, and who was playing? Well, Hater was there, and we'll be listening to them tonight. Digraphia was playing the first day. God, I didn't even see. I'm exhausted. No, it was a good show. And it's it's fun getting out of the city, too, right? Because Tokyo is kind of a black hole. And if especially in the underground scene, there's, within Tokyo, seven main clubs. And, you know, if you go to... Like me, if you go to a show, at least one show every week, you kind of get to know these places really, really well. And it's, I won't at all equate it to going to the office, but you know the place and you know who's going to show up and you know what it looks like and you know where the bathroom is and you know how much the beer costs and you know, you know, who's going to be what, doing what outside and everything like that. And so it gets a little bit, not stale, but you want to see new spots. And so heading out to Kumagaya and Saitama, just like with Chichibu, um, it's really good. It's refreshing, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, it's the same type of music and the same, well, not all of the same bands, but, you know, the same type of thing, but just in a different setting, which kind of re-energizes everything. Not that it ever gets, you know, too not, mundane. I'm yeah, sure, but... at all. Um, but it's just nice because, I mean, that's one thing that I try to do. It's really hard with Bloodrite, but, and just booking in general, but... Bloodrite being the... Uh, yeah, um, I, I think I just call it an ongoing concert series. Um, yeah, I guess that works. Yeah, but with that, it's really hard booking shows outside of Tokyo because it's so expensive to do it. And the further you get away from Shinjuku or Shibuya or wherever, the less likely you are to draw a big crowd. And to be honest, at Hardcore Circus, there I mean, there were people there, sure, but not that many. So I think the furthest I've traveled from Tokyo to see a show, just to prove your point about how not many people are willing to do that was, I think, Chiba. Um, Where'd you go in Chiba? Oh, probably out to Firebird? Firebird, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is a fire trap. 
No. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't even know no, where I, the I steps are. The, the this staircases. was before, obviously, before I had joined Wretch. I think I was working the merch table that night. Yes, you were. And yeah. thinking, like, wow, we're on the top floor of this very uh, rickety building, and any, I don't know like, where the staircase is. I it's, don't. It's the fifth floor. Right of a five-story building. Yeah, I, which I, would make I, it the top. I floor. remember loading into that place, and like the first thing that I oh, said. Oh, that I, must have been brutal. No, I just remember turning to Tom and being like, "All right, we're gonna die if this, like, if those frayed wires or something." <laughs> Somebody <to> drops <laughs> a cigarette. No, yeah. But, but yeah, I don't. I mean, for one, traveling. We say outside of Tokyo, like, it's, you know, freaking Cleveland. And, oh, going to Dayton is so hard. No, like, it's 45 like minutes Dayton, from Cleveland to Dayton. Dayton and Cleveland and it's an are hour the same to get city. from one side yeah. of Tokyo to the <laughs> other. So, even just going up to Saitama, I mean, a train ticket. What is the train ticket from, like, Shinjuku all the way up into Saitama? How much did I pay? I think it was, like, 1600 one way. Which equals up to like fifteen bucks. Yeah, I'll call it so right around now. It's about the same. Yeah, so it's so sixteen dollars. It's not nothing, you know. Yeah, so like call it thirty bucks round trip. Um, and it's not a short trip, you know. No, it's an hour and a half. Fortunately, like it was cheap. Well, the thing is, Kumagaya too, out inside something. Yeah, booking is still expensive, but when you get outside of the city, you're not looking at you know fifteen hundred dollars. You're looking at probably, and I haven't checked, but I would I would guess probably about eight hundred bucks to book. So you don't need as many people to go, which is good. But so you're saying like the average for booking a show in Tokyo is like fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, and then outside you can probably get it down to not quite half that, but close, close-ish. Yeah, I, but I the payoff being that there's going to be less people coming through the door, and well, I mean that's that's the interesting thing is because like for example, well, granted it's difficult to navigate the train system out there just because there's all these transfers that you have to hit. But like with Chichibu, I always go back to Chichibu and the live house out there called Ladder Ladder. That's like 600 I think, to book. And it's an excellent venue, really good sound system. Uh, they got this excellent bar with all of this local beer and local whiskey, because they're, they're really known for their whiskey distillery. I think it's like number one in Japan. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. The guy who runs it, uh, he's from Chichibu. He moved to Tokyo to do the salaryman wearing a suit thing. And because he was here, he got into like hardcore metal culture and music and was like, oh my God, this, this is really good. I want to bring this back to my hometown. And so I guess he made a bit of a bug here in Tokyo and then moved back to his hometown, Chichibu, and started this place called Ladder Ladder. And it's, it's a day trip, right? I think you can get out there in like two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> which is problematic when, Oof, concert, when concerts start at 6 p.m. Yeah. It's problematic. Also, because it's so far out there, it's almost always booked on a Sunday, right? Because Friday night and Saturday night, those are the two big money shows. And if you're not doing them in the city, then you're wasting, yeah. you're more or less wasting your time, right? So Chichibu or Ladder Ladder always gets booked at Sunday. So I'm thinking like, okay, how do you retool what a concert is and when it starts and why you go to it? Sort of thing, like what? It, like, I mean, even at this at their bar, they have all these famous, well, not famous, but well-known whiskey and um, uh, local beer producers. So, what if you make like a metal picnic and say, "Don't come out to Chichibu at six p.m. Come out at noon, so you leave at like ten a.m." Sure, yeah, it'll make a whole day of it. Yeah, make yeah. a whole day, right? It's not just a concert; it's people getting together and people talking and drinking. Of course, you'd have to be careful because if it's a beer picnic before the concert at oh, noon, yeah, they'll be people. Well, then just everybody's getting just getting blasted. wasted. <laughs> <laughs> they don't go to the concert, <laughs> right? 
No. So you got to be careful, but <laughs> you and I both know many yeah. people who would not make it. Yeah, yeah. Like the four hours before yeah. they have to go on the stage, yeah. they would. Many people. <laughs> many people. Right? They would get. But it's you know it's the yeah. kernel of an idea. No, it's and I've, uh, I've even talked to that. No, I've heard you talk about this idea because I've heard you complain about how difficult it is to. It's not difficult to book a show. It's difficult to book it and make it. Like, no matter not, what. Not even so much, like, profitable. Like, you're not trying to make money. No, you're trying to... Even. You're trying at least I want to not break even. Money. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to I do. don't think that's too much to ask, you know, yeah. if you're booking a show. Well, no, it's funny on... on Because um, no matter what, if you're booking Tokyo, you are you have competition. Right? Oh, Probably yeah. At least I, I remember uh, and Blood Rite 11. Uh, Blood Rite 12, also, right? But the funny thing about... Blood Rite 12 on uh, September 24th, this is wild how it's turned out. So Blood Rite is in Nakano, which is basically like a little bit west of downtown Shinjuku. Right. Right? Uh, wow. Yeah, it's like 10 minutes west of the So then line. you've got Degraffi and Self-Deconstruction and I think Coffins um, playing over in, uh, not Shin Matsudo, which is where Firebird is, but um, they're playing at Bush Bash. Which oh, is, like which way is out in, east in uh, Koiwa. Yeah, uh, Shinkoiwa. Shinkoiwa, right? Yeah. So that's pretty far away. That's like a 45-minute train ride. True, right? and, and you can't say that's not a good show because that will be a It's a good show, show, right? But it's far enough away that it's not like we're not kind of sharing territory, I think. Um, and then also I just found out yesterday that there's a show out in Morgana, in Kokobun- oh, a really Kokobunji. good one in Kokobunji, which is also like an hour away. Oh, yeah, that is a straight hour. So, and, it- <laughs> and I remember I you going... Kokobunji because it... Looks so close on a map. It's a straight it's really shot cool. on the sh- on the true of the same train line, mm. and you'd think that like riding a bike would be easy to do. It doesn't be like a three you know, hour it's bike ride. Just as the crow <laughs> flies, like straight west. But there's not one single road that goes straight west. They're all no. moving off at weird angles, and it's just such a huge pain. But yeah. uh, Coco, uh, Morgana is a pretty cool. I actually venue. still haven't been there. But what Noise Go Go's are playing out there? That's um, actually the last place I saw Noise Go Go. Oh, I saw them yeah, that's and right. uh, the Bat, which is pretty great. But um, so anyway, what I was saying is, this is actually the first time in my four years of booking shows that there are three at least. Well, the three big ones, right, are nowhere, aren't anywhere near yeah. each other, which uh, yeah, is a little bit encouraging. I do remember you. If it's not Blood Ride 11, it might have been oh, it was, it before was, that. I think it was Blood Ride 10. And it was at, it was at Earth, Earth Dome. Dome. And there was and a show at, at Annie Knock yeah, or something like right, that. Which right, is right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Two bigger venues in Shinjuku. I, I, not even... I I mean, they're like, what, even? 15 minutes away on foot, right? right yeah. You could walk from one to the I, other. I broke even. <laughs> between, like, two band sets. I broke even, but our good friends in Crusum were booking it. And they had a really good lineup, too. Right. And at that point, I remember this was a big like lesson that I learned. Um, at that point, I was really, really into digital. Just like, you know what? We don't like I like flyers. I like the art thing. But, oh, oh man, pull yeah, up, yeah. you know, passing them out. Going Didn't to this have place. the ground game. Right. Basically, I was saying, oh, who needs ground game? And um, I, I broke even. So it wasn't a loss. Um, but then I saw Bunta at... Um, He's he's he was the booker, but also the, the keyboardist for Crusum. Yes, and um, I saw him at the Funeral Moth uh, first album release show a few weeks later, over in Nakano at uh, Heavy Six Zero. Okay, 
And I was like, oh, because I'm friends with him. And, you know, it's not like we're competing with each other and fighting each other. It's, you know, just, yeah, it's all in good fun and stuff. But I saw him and I was like, oh, hell, you know, I haven't talked to you since. Like, how did it go? And he was like, dude, we, we got like, I think he said like 200 people in the door. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, like, that's, congratulations. Yeah. Like, I shook his hand. It's like, all right, that's go on that great. one. <laughs> like, yeah. how did, and then I no, asked him. How I did, remember you, yeah, you yeah. told me about this. And he yeah. said, well, we handed out at least a thousand flowers. No, 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 no like dude. That. He handed out 5,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And I remember asking him, like, all right, well, obviously, you know, like, you did something much better than I did. So I'm curious. And we're all friends. So, like, you know, can we share our secrets and everything? He was like, yeah, dude, I, I, I handed out 5,000 flyers. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. And like, then for the and next of course, Blood Rite, uh, Volume 11, in which I think was my first Blood Rite playing, and I got to play with Intestine Ballism, who yes, I yes, yes. adore, but Gravness also there. Mm-hmm. Um some other very amazing bands I was very happy to play with. But that show went very well. We had a lot of new faces coming into that the door. Was actually a lot of new best. people, which is always good. It's Yeah, there were new people. I feel people. like it's rare when I go to a show and I'm looking around and I don't know like half the people there. Like that Well, I mean that's I hate to that float. That almost never happens. I hate to float around. And it's not because boat. I know so many people either. You know? Right, no, I hate to float our own boat, but I mean talk to self deconstruction, talk to Guevna, talk to like a lot of talk to Crusoe. They're coming up and like when we're having conversations about, oh hey, you know, we got the show coming up, whatever, like this is kind of floating our own boat, but we're actually having the intended effect of there are a lot of people, both Japanese and non Japanese who are really into this music. This is this is the effect that we want, is there's a lot of people who are interested in this stuff, but they don't have the information, be it online, be it offline, be it whatever, right? Or maybe they don't know the people, or whatever it is, for some reason, they're not getting to shows. They don't know how or when or why. Well, maybe not why, but they don't know how or when to <laughs> go to a show. Show up to a show, what am I doing here? But, but, I didn't even mean to come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to go to 7-Eleven. I've done that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that you have. Not 7-Eleven, but... Right. You can believe you're but like, no, oh, this, I gotta go to the is, bank. This is and the then you thing. look up and you're like, well, I'm at Earth, what am I but doing no, here? That's, that's the thing. Like, Just by giving out, making information more public, and we're not saying, hey, go to the show or you know, we'll kick your ass or whatever. It's No, you're interested in this stuff. We should try that, though. We should try not physical yet. threats. Not yet. You know, Put it um, on the flyer, like an asterisk. But no, it's, it's an interesting thing to see these new faces are showing up. You can almost smell it in the crowd too. Aside from all the sweat, <laughs> right? There, there does seem, in in my opinion, my evaluation of of kind of how the scene's been working here for call it the past year and a half. There's 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 something there's there's something happening. There's some sort of like electrodes firing, and maybe they're missing, but occasionally they're hitting. And I I don't know exactly how or why, one hundred percent why it's happening. We're not stabbing in the dark. We're putting that information out there, right? We don't need to approach. It gets found, you know. And besides that, like, we... we I mean, this is this this is the thing, too, right? If Kala was just about, oh, hey, we understand shows and here's a flyer, right? That would be bullshit. No! But the fact of the matter is we, co- saying, like, we, we collectively have spent... Well, collective, let's say, given all of the members' time in Japan, we've been here, let's call it, eight years and playing for eight years with bands. So this is not... This is not Kala saying, oh, we just, you know, we have this JPEG here, look at it, and we'll database it and stuff. This is, no, actually, these are people that we know and care about and work with and are friends with and, you know, hang out with and, 
you know, go to the park and drink beer with and all this stuff. I mean, this is the community. This is, this is the humanity behind all of it, right? If that weren't part of it, then it would not be worthwhile, right? It wouldn't be anything. It would just be a, a no, 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 no. you know, marketing move. Thanks, JCVD, for covering up Matt's. Now go back to the bathroom. Of, yeah. <laughs> Exile him to the bathroom. <laughs> Put the gimp ba- mask back on. <laughs> See, this is why we can't reach out to him on Twitter. Because yeah. he'll hear us talking. I think he would him. love it. I think he would love it. On that note, can I pee? Uh, we can take a break. Sure. Yeah.
What track was that? Oh, uh, that was Tormentor by Hater. Whoa! Who is this new person? My God! <laughs> in the cave. Get him. How did he get here? That's not Jean-Claude. Who are you? And sit back from the mic. God, you're, you're putting your face, Sorry, it's your a, mouth around the not mic. Not really That's used not to this whole thing. Works. Slurping sounds. Yeah, did you just slurp? <laughs> yeah, I just slurped a little bit. Who is this? Who is this slurper? Who are you? Introduce yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm Jared. I'm a writer for Kala, and uh, I'm also a student here in uh, Tokyo. What university? I'm at a uh, Sophia University. What do you study? Uh, I study uh, activists um, and <laughs> activist spaces. Is, right? <laughs> is that a major? Can you major in ac activists? Uh, you really can't. No, it's it's global studies, so it's kind of like uh, interdisciplinary. So there's political science, there's sociology. Um, philosophy, uh, anthropology. Um, so it's it's good because you you get exposed to a lot of different ideas and a lot of different fields. Um, and I like the program especially because you have a lot of kind of uh, leeway to study how you want to study. So if I went to like a political science program mm. in the U.S. or you know masters, then I would have to frame everything through poli sci theory. Sure. Right? Or if it was international relations, it would have to be through some sort of international relations theory. Ah, uh, yes. Right. So all of your uh, academic pursuits would always be framed within that... Um, Discipline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't see the hand yeah. motion I'm making. <laughs> but it pretty much uh, is the discipline hand motion. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and how do you like Sophia? Oh, I really like it. It is one of the top universities in Japan, right? Yeah, Certainly in Tokyo. Number three, I think. Behind... It's top five, definitely. So there, there's Todai, there's Wasada, and then I think Keo. there's Keio, and Those are the top three. Sophia. Wait, one of those is an yeah. all-girls school, isn't it? That's Jochi, that's Sophia. By the way, so for our, our listeners... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, it's not. Yeah, that's right. Because I'm there. No, it's just pretty much everybody but you I know from Sophia. His is... beard is very masculine, <laughs> yeah. ladies. Uh, a, a little known fact that uh, Makiko from FID, she went to uh, Sophia also for I her undergrad. I feel like I might have known that. I think I... Well, we did, you know, do Color Radio episode one. Where she's explaining. <laughs> Makiko explaining this. So maybe it's not so known. <laughs> right, right. I didn't edit that episode, though. So that is true. To your if credit. you go back, it's terrible. Tom is terrible. Wow, we, just, we, we have just spent this evening bad-mouthing Tom every chance we get. <laughs> you have. Here. You have. It's, no, it's all we on all you. have. And but I'm telling I, him I, that I've we only all met, have. I, I, yeah, you know, don't, don't include me. I've only met Tom like twice. <laughs> oh, too late. Your fingerprints are all over this train wreck. Uh, but we will have Tom back soon, and we'll, I'm sure he'll have plenty of mean things to say to us. Now, this band, Hater, uh, what kind of band are they? You called them a thrash crossover band. Where yeah, are they from? They're from Tokyo. Um, and Connie, he's the guitarist, but he's well, also the drummer. drummer for Rose Rose. Well, he's the drummer for Rose Rose, and I've seen him played drums for Hater as well, mm -hmm. but currently he's picking up guitar. Oh, and he was also in 200%. Ah, um, that's the other band. Who, and it was funny, I saw their last show uh, down in Otaku, which is a place that never, ever gets any shows at all. I remember going to this and asking people, like, oh, man, like maybe it's just me, but like I don't think shows ever happen. It was in Kamata City. And it was like, oh, no, you're totally right. Like, I've, half the people were saying, oh, no, I've never been here. 
much less new than this was maybe two three months ago was it at Kamata gigs because they're yeah. having more shows at Kamata gigs recently right but not 200 percent okay it was Kony on guitar in 200 percent and it was funny because he joined that was probably call it three months ago and he joined in like December of last year and so when in between songs when they were having their conversations with the audience and stuff um, he was basically just yelling at everybody and saying like, Hey, it's not, stop telling me it's my fault that 200% is breaking up. Like we're still friends. We're just not playing. It's not my fault because I just got in the band. Like I didn't break the band up. Stop saying that. <laughs> well, I know like a terrible job to have to. Yeah. I remember recently he had like a birthday celebration where it was like a, you know, Coney Fest and yeah. you know, I think a Hater played, Rose Rose played. Probably I think maybe. I saw notices about that on Facebook. Yeah, I saw, I saw flyers. No, I'm thinking Coney 2012. That's what <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't actually called Coney it's Fest. That, it was yeah. just like, happy birthday, Coney. And it was like yeah. all of his bands. So. Well, and probably with that animated version of Coney. Yes. Um, yeah, behind yeah. the drums, yep. right? It was the cartoon version of it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're really good uh, thrash crossover. It's, it's quick question. Mm. Who is Coney? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's the drummer for... <laughs> he's the drummer for Rose Rose. He's the guitarist of Hater. And um, until recently, he was the guitarist for 200%. He's been in the scene for a long... Well, I mean, Rose... He was, he's not an original member, though, of Rose Rose. Oh, okay. Um, I can't remember when he joined, but he's definitely... Like, he's an old hand in the Rose Rose scene. is a band we've mentioned before on the podcast. Um, I believe we talked about them in reference to the merry-go-round um, crew... Um, They're the sort of related. In Shinjuku, that's wild side. Wild side. Yeah, yeah they, the wild they side play crew. there frequently. I, I personally, my understanding of what, what I call the wild side crew, yeah. doesn't include um, Rose Rose. Really? Well, because I think the last time they were mentioned, I cited them as a band whose name I see constantly on they, flyers. And in, in fact, I, I just got a flyer today the, the, about them playing at uh, the wild studio side. where uh, Wretch practices, which is Shinjuku the crew. crew. Great place to practice. It's cheap, good staff, good equipment. Uh, if you're in the Tokyo area and you want a place to practice, I want to recommend Crew, but I also don't want you to because I hate trying to get a slot there and they're all booked, and that always pisses me off when that happens. But I can't deny that that is a great place to go practice. Nice pitch. <laughs> yeah. And I sales. <laughs> uh, so that's who Coney is. Okay. He's one of those guys. No, he's been around the scene for a while. And what a nice guy, too. Actually, we ran into him at, um, what was it? Hardcore Circus, right? Yeah, yeah. In Kumagaya? Yeah, yeah. Right, I and lost on the train. Yes, you very much did. <laughs> I mean, I always run into him. He's, he's, I mean, like so many people in the scene, too. Like, super friendly. Like, really the only issue that I think anybody of any nationality from anywhere, the only problem that really anybody has is not approaching somebody and, and thinking, oh, well, the, uh, I, I don't speak Japanese and I think they don't speak English. And granted, Kony doesn't speak English, right? But he's a super friendly guy and it doesn't matter, you know, because we saw him right before, he didn't even know, actually, we, we saw him right before Hater's set. Mm-hmm. And I forget who was playing right before him, but we knew that Hater was going on next. And I think you told us. And I was aware that it was it was happening soon, but he was like, oh no, Hater's on next. And he was like, Oh, what? Oh, I gotta go. Oh, no, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs in. 
Marconi had been following me on Instagram for a while. I had this yeah. weird Instagram relationship with people. With a lot of people. Where, like, you know, and, and at Kapong's or whenever I'd see, like, Marconi, um, you know, it would be, like, the head nod. Like, we know each other from Instagram, yeah. but we would never really it's speak. Like, I know you dunk your Oreos in milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, like, why? Because you've seen his pictures on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> that's what this guy's Instagram's yeah. full of? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> So um, he's a Nabisco spokes guy. Well, I mean, I, I get the impression that he, I think he works at like a guitar shop or like a honestly shop or something. By, by impression, he's always you, going to like a guitar shop. Yeah, he's he's always there. And honestly, I I think of all the guitarists that I know, he looks like a guy who would work at like a really top notch guitar shop. Would be like the guitar tech of you know all of Japan or something like that. Like he, he definitely exerts this kind of. Really? I don't know. Because, you know, I go to guitar shops pretty frequently, especially when I'm hanging out with Joel, a uh, mutual friend of ours, a phenomenal guitarist who buys and sells guitars like every week. I've So many beautiful, amazing guitars have come into this man's hands, and then he sells them <laughs> like two months later. I, I can't even believe it sometimes. But he's taking me into guitar shops quite frequently, and the guys I see there, I would never... Peg as like a. I know I know the guitar guy you're talking about, and it's not that guitar guy. It's that it's, kind it, of it, guitar guy. I'm yeah, not talking it, like one single guy. But well, because I mean, like growing up in Pittsburgh, for example, right? There was um, Lawrence Music. It's a great, it's a great shop, mm-hmm. and the guys there um, were really low key and really nice. Um, and I mean, freak like most of them were honestly like jazz musicians and stuff like that. So not really, and of course, you know, they had, you know, MT2s and stuff like that, so that type of pedal and stuff. But no, they all looked relatively, you know, probably like a black shirt and jeans. Like Steve Jobs, basically. Sure. Right. Um, but Connie, Connie just strikes me as, and you you know, and he's multi-instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's not the guitar guy. He's the, he's, he's the instrument guy. <laughs> Or something like that. Give him a cello and he will <laughs> make it sing. Your experience <laughs> with guitar shop employees seems strikingly different from mine. Oh, really? Yeah. In Nashville, uh, when I started getting interested in guitar, I was like 16 and I started taking lessons at this guitar shop downtown Nashville. Uh, what is the name? I think Rock? The Rock or something like that. And my guitar teacher was a guy named Gary Serkin, who a phenomenal guitar player, but him and like every other dude in that shop looked like the guitar player for a band of some certain era in music. Nobody in my Lawrence music ever struck me as they, they to me really? they, they that, looked they well, I can't even think of a guitar shop employee who does not have like long hair and wear long hair super definitely. tight denim. No, long hair. Guy who might steal your CD book if you go in for a lesson and you leave it there, and he'll pretend like you didn't, and he'll be like, "No, I'm pretty sure you took it with you." Kid. No, it was it was all like, like "No, Gary, you like, stole it from me. I like, know you stole it." Sounds like you're talking from experience. <laughs> no, it, it was it was like be. they would either be beat poets or jazz musicians. Oh, no, very low key. Like that's that's the kind the of music shop that I grew up in. Drinking beer at 11 a.m. You know. Their breakfast was a taco and like half a beer they had from the night before. <laughs> All great guitars. With a cigarette in it. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway, strings anyway. With their fingers. Oh. But enough about the guitar shops of our youth. Well, Jerry, we brought you on to talk about a subject that you have been looking into recently that I hope we will have a full-on article call about. Uh, something to do with protest music in Japan. 
And I know the typical uh, view of Japan for people who have not been to Japan or talked to Japanese people or really done much research into the country as a whole, protests, political upheaval, political anything is not one of the things you think about when you hear the word Japan. And But the more you live here, the more you look back through their history, they're not politically inert. Why don't you talk to us about Political, not political, protest music, protest spaces. Well, I, I think a part of it, like what you just said, too, is is that you're talking about this, this perception of Japan where it's this society that is, you know, completely and totally, you know, homogenous in their thinking. And they, Correct. They only think about, like, they only think about the group and the harmony and everything the like law. that. The law. The law. Yeah. Mm, and, right. you know, I think there is an element to the culture with, you know, maintaining harmony and stuff like that, where they're in public spaces or at work. You know, talking about politics is like taboo. And, you know, many, many people I've talked to, like, we don't talk about politics at work as opposed to, you know, we go back to America. We go out on Thursday nights to get beers with our coworkers. And we talk about politics. About, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and then, you know, the next you're going in on Friday morning, you're like, oh, I hate that bastard, you know? I will admit that I have heard more Japanese people talk about American politics than I have heard talk about Japanese politics, which always struck me as weird. Japanese mm-hmm. people will ask me about... Uh, Donald Trump, Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton, Obama, mm-hmm. but they will never say uh, anything about Abe. It's an interest in basically different cultures, right? And just as Abe in Japan, and obviously not being Japanese, I'm, I'm speaking through experience, but not being Japanese, I can't say 100% for sure if this is the case. But the impression that I have is that Abe, and look at the, in Rio, right, that, that, that Mario thing that he did. <laughs> and I, I don't want to talk about it more than that. But... <laughs> That does. My mother described that to me on the phone, and I had no idea what yeah. she was talking about. It's like, no, mom, the prime minister of Japan did not dress yeah. up as Mario <laughs> at the Olympics. He did. He is and, not that fun. But, but what, what that does, and actually this, I think, probably jives with what we're trying to get into, is that, I can't say this without sounding at least quasi-political, but the powers that be, right, um, are, like, the prime minister does represent... Japan, it represents whoever that may be, male, female, whatever. Um, the prime minister does kind of on on the overground, on on you know, the upper level, represent or is supposed to represent what Japan is. And I've heard a number of people too contrast that with, for example, Obama. Yeah, of course, Obama represents America, but is does Obama equal America? Really, the, the, America, like culturally. Certainly. And all of those things? No, not at all. But I mean, I think a part of it is like, if you look at like Western perceptions of Japan, they're very much colored by sort of these Orientalist notions, right? Certainly. You right. Know, where, you know, anime, all of Japan is Akira, Mario. You know, and it's it's very technologically advanced. We're like, you know, we've been here all long enough to know that. And we still use fax machines. We still <laughs> use fax machines. Like a lot. Yeah. And like, have you ever tried to like navigate like a website? Oh, like especially God. the government websites, they're atrocious. Yeah, but that's not really the point of our conversation. <laughs> yeah, we're looking so, off topic here. <laughs> Back to the protests. Yeah, the protest music specifically. Um, so it was a couple months ago, two months ago, I went to a talk at uh, TUJ's iCasts. Ah, yes, um, with um, TUJ Noriko Manabe. Right, right, right. Uh, Temple University, Japan. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she is a professor at the main campus in Philadelphia, um, and her specialty is actually protest music. That's what she researches. Um, Specifically within Japan or? In, in Japan. Japan. Okay. In Japan. When I went to the talk, she was saying that she was initially going to look at 
kind of like club music culture and like reggae culture. But then at the same time, there was the uh, Genpatsunashi movement. There was the anti-nuclear movement mm-hmm. going on. And she's like, this is really, really big. It was really interesting because she was talking about how mainstream artists, um, how they make money, essentially, or how they, you know, the, these record labels work. And But there's actual, like, censorship laws going on. Um, and I wrote some of them down. I brought my notes with me. Those are good-looking notes. So if we look at... Yeah. <laughs> I'm super messy. So, like, uh, for example, so, like, the record Recording Industry Ethics Regulatory Commission prohibits records that disturb national or public order. Kind of vague and pretty open to interpretation by... I'm, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because that gets immediate... By the authorities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's vague. Yeah, right. Another, it prohibits... Uh, you cannot hold individuals in contempt in your recordings. Any individual at all? Yeah, any individual at all. So you can't be like, ah! Yeah, right. Could you be like, well, also, well you, but I mean, that's sort of censored. Like, yeah. <laughs> Could you Thanks, say, JCVD. <laughs> but, well, no, say, that's. Screw you. Um, that's actually really interesting. Uh, school board director, this person. That's, or could you say, screw you. I think if you say, like, screw you, 7 Eleven manager, in those words, that's okay. But if you say, screw you. You know, Toshiro. Watanabe-san yeah. at 7-Eleven in Togoshi, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Then it would be, like, troublesome, right? Oh, wow, okay. Well, that, that's actually kind of interesting. Because, uh, do you have this... examples of bands who have run afoul of these? Um... Well, the thing is, is, like, there's not really any examples of mainstream there, artists. There probably shouldn't be. Oh, because are... no one ever allows that to go, to be printed, to yes. be released? Okay. So, especially when it comes to holding certain individuals in contempt... Right, that can end up going to court, right? So the managers of the major record labels, they don't want to deal with this. Yeah, they're not. They, they don't want to deal with this. It's 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 too much of a hassle, right? And then that could hurt their sales, and you know everybody comes down. They're just tied up in lawsuits and everything. Um, what is it? Libel. Li- libel. Yeah, 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 libel. Yeah. Or slander. Slander and slander and libel. Yeah, slander and libel. Yeah. No, that that's interesting though because um, it's not difficult to say this not politically, but it is kind of a loaded statement. So the emperor recently, right, just had that statement about he wants to to step down, or he he wants to like explore the possibility of the feasibility of stepping down, kind of thing. And post war, the emperor is in the constitution of Japan. And I guess that's where possible politicism comes in. Um, but whatever the emperor says cannot be political at all. It right. can't be any sort of, hey, I want to do this, so please help me out, or please influence this guy, or please say this, please vote, or whatever. It can be nothing like that. So the way that he speaks is this, I mean, it's like a ballet of words, it's it's if you understand how he's saying it, it's this really interesting well, stuff. I imagine his speechwriters are, uh, and necessarily so, extremely because talented he's men. saying stuff that ends up being political. But if you didn't know, then you'll never know, kind of thing. And this libel thing, what you're talking about right now, is the same sort of thing. So, in for example, in protest songs, mm-hmm. going back to the theme of the night. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a number of bands, be they punk, be they folk, be they whatever, that are doing a similar thing. And they're very veiled words, and it's very calculated. 
terminology. Mana Bay, she, she talked about like, one okay rock. Really? Yeah. So apparently, one of the members, like I don't, I don't really follow One OK Rock. I don't really know One yeah, OK I, Rock. I know the I name. Know who is One OK Rock? One OK Rock is like a, a Japanese rock band. Um, yeah, they like do a, a lot of like they band. do a lot of songs for like anime. Yeah. Like, and they're they're pretty well known around the world. Like if if you're someone in America and you're into Japan, generic, like yeah. family friendly rock and roll. Yeah. Apparently, like is it One OK Rock? Yeah, I think it is. So one of the members is actually very much anti nuclear. Nuclear. And he runs his own private blog and everything where he, he talks about nuclear issues and stuff like that, especially in you know, post-Fukushima, right. post-311, right? But they they have a song, or they have a couple songs that are anti-nuclear, but it's very, very veiled in like metaphor and stuff like that. Right, yeah, that's the same so thing. So it's basically, it. It, can get, it can get beyond the censors. It can get beyond the managers where... And I, I'm going to have to agree with like Professor uh, Monabe because she was like, you know, these lyrics are obviously anti-nuclear and i'm like well if you're a 17 year old and you're right, listening to one okay right. rock and you hear this you're not going to make the connection. well that, that's the thing right and you know? that's that's actually really interesting because the russians killed him but then again you were telling us earlier a story about over in koenji what last weekend was it oh yeah yeah so there was the the festival going on in Koenji, and they do this every year. And what is the name of this festival um, oh, God, i can't remember yeah, i was trying to remember but it's not awa odori uh, is it? I can't remember. I think it goes on at the same time as Awa Odori. Like Dago told me last night. So yeah, I, I want to talk about Koenji uh, afterwards. After oh, we okay. talk about like censorship a little bit more. Oh, okay, cool. As a sort of like small anecdote, um, at the talk there was this, this older man who asked a question to the professor, and I, I think it was a very like it was very poignant. And it kind of showed the differences between mainstream music in the United States mm-hmm. and the mainstream music in Japan. Oh, okay. Where he he basically asks, like, so Pete Seeger played at the White House, mm-hmm. George W. Bush, right. right? And Pete Seeger is known for his, like, his folk songs, his protest songs, right? Which side are you on, right? Yep. Um, and he's always been involved in this sort of protest music and stuff, but he's playing at the White House. So this this gentleman, he, he asked the question, like, could we could that ever happen in Japan? Could, like, a Japanese musician who's very well-known, well-loved, um, admired, um, perform for the prime minister, mm-hmm. um, given their politics and their involvement in social movements and protest music? Mm-hmm. And her answer, Professor Monabe, she was just like, no, that probably will never happen. And I thought that was a really poignant and, like, really telling sort of story. Yeah. Because yeah. if you look at mainstream music here, you know, you... Aaron wrote a really good piece on, on baby metal. I know you guys were collaborating on that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's very, it has no teeth. They can't. And there's another thing that's involved in that. And that's commercial broadcasting. So when it comes to mainstream music here, yeah. a majority of consumers, they find out about bands via television. Television is the biggest, via like by far. Television. Yep. If you want things to get big, yep. get on TV. But there's actually huh. more regulations yeah. for that. So in my notes, right? So one of them is um, for commercial broadcasting, and this could this also applies to the news, such as mm-hmm. NHK, mm-hmm. right? So, so, so the previous uh, regulations you had referenced, those were just purely... Recording industry. Oh, not even anything to do with broadcasting. Not even broadcasting, wow. like just recording industry. So for when we're coming to commercial broadcasting, television, 
So they can't say anything that disgraces the government or its agencies. Mm-hmm. Just straight mm-hmm. up, you can't broadcast it. Wow. Well, why do you think NHK is so safe? Or Fuji TV is so safe? Or because well, we, they can't they can't broadcast yeah, anything that disgraces the government. And this is this is a really broad term. It's not even right? broad, it's nebulous. So you say that is a, it's really nebulous. That's why yeah. NHK failed to report on how the government essentially failed to respond to 311. Mm-hmm. And then another one, and this is the most restrictive in my opinion, is that they must avoid interfering with or influencing national debate, political national debate. Oh, you're not allowed to have a voice. Can't interfere, yeah. So, but this... Oh, no, it would be like, you can have a voice, but it can't be one that anybody listens to. We take it for granted in America, the underground, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're underground, they're unknown bands, and maybe they have some radical radical messages. Mm -hmm. Awesome, I'm down, I love it. It's one of the reasons why like, I love the music. But I, I feel like in, in Japan, it's more important to have these underground scenes, why we need to have independent labels, mm-hmm. why we need to have independent artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, so say, for example, like Little Bastards. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, you've seen you've seen their sets before, right? Well, I mean, yeah, and, and uh, like, yeah I saw in that pit bar. I yeah, think yeah. the band that has like a projection behind them. Of not that I remember. I've never seen them with a projection. Oh, no, they're just they an old I'm school thinking like of grindcore, like yeah, grindcore punk, like grindcore to I'm hell. Thinking of yeah. them because Little Bastards was at that show at Pit Bar that you and I went. Yeah, to. I remember going to see Pit. Or, uh, it was Webna. Webna doesn't have a projection. No, I know it wasn't. Little Webna, Bastards doesn't have Webna, a projection. Little Bastards. Um, the the dude, the guy who owns it, their band. Um, Oh, I was going to say Crucial Unit, but that's Pittsburgh. Crucial Section. Crucial, Crucial section. section, there we go. Maybe. Yeah, plan. no, that's it. That's it. They own it. Um, but no. it wouldn't surprise me if, like, little little bastards did that, because they, they speak out, like, against anti... They're anti-nuclear. Yeah. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe they were experimenting in doing that. Knowing them as... Not well as I do. <laughs> <laughs> what does that sentence even mean? <laughs> Knowing them, Words. which I don't. Um, <laughs> so that projector thing, I do you not remember it? You were there with me. I woke up. I I woke up on this floor where we are now, and then we went to that show. No, I, I, I have a projector. <laughs> I have a projector. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> That's right, we were redoing Plato's yeah. cave experiment, because we were yeah. in a cave, and you had the projector, and I was chained yeah. to the wall. Yeah, and, that was it. Right. What and a waste of hundreds of dollars. <laughs> it was. But, like, yeah, I think, like, it's it's important here, like, where the Bear. underground exists, right? And it exists, like, you go to Kapunk, mm-hmm. right? And there's so uh, much there, yeah. punk music festival every year. Which was awesome. Uh, year it's twice Chile. a year. Is it twice a year? Yeah. It's, it's twice a year for the past, yeah. I think, three years. Well, well no, it's been twice a year for the past year. We must yeah. be coming and up it's on another one in the next ago. couple months. Then. Yeah, in like November or October. So like last week, last weekend, there was that festival in Koenji mm-hmm. with a, a friend of mine. And he was there because he lives in Koenji. And he showed me a video and there's this band called Ghettos. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of like a punk like 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 crusty folky punk band yeah kind of yeah yeah because right. they have like the bongo drums yeah, and everything like yeah, that like, weird um and but like they after the show was over in the arcade that big kind of like yeah and you know the walk like the shopping street right near studio dom right yeah yeah it's near studio yeah. dom where they they held a show after the end 
and basically the police were trying to break it up mm. and the singer was basically pushing the police officer away or like, you know, audience members were getting between the police officer and yeah, the singer yeah. and, or band members were getting between and everything yeah. like that. So, and there were no fights happening. There was no fights going on. Right. There was no violence going on. Right. Good. But like they managed to finish their set. Yeah, it's okay. a guerrilla show where, um, my friend, he said, you know, in a, in a studio or at a venue, they're fine. Mm. They're okay. But gorilla, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's literally like just one, like if you watch the clip, like there's one clip where the police officer like grabs the, the, the vocalist and she just swats him away. <laughs> like she just, no, no, yeah, no, I'm not fighting, but you're not, yeah. you're not grabbing like, just me. Don't touch me. Like, uh. and, uh, yeah, it was really like, that whole thing was really impressive. So at the end of the night, apparently what I've been told is, uh, the band ghettos, they said, we're not going to do this tomorrow because it's a two day festival. Mm. So they said, we're not going to do this tomorrow. Mm. And the next night they did it. <laughs> Just get the cops away. Basically because <laughs> the cops were there, but the cops showed up and from what my friend says, so there's 10 band members yeah, and about 20 cops. Uh-huh. And he said there was just 200 people <laughs> supporting the band. So, you yes, know, that's it. Going back to what we were talking about originally, we were talking about like, you know, we see Japan as like some homogenous society and all har- harmony and peace, love, the and, you know, wah, like, yeah, it, that's yeah, not there, it. there is an element of harmony in Japanese culture, but you know, it's not, that's not all of Japanese culture well, and I that, mean, look, and in, that any... there's these, these movements that are going on underground that the government doesn't want you to know about. They're not going to present it. The NHK is never going to present it. Yeah. Right. Well, like they... the whole, like imagine if BLM happened here in Japan, right. right. Like the Japanese version Actually, of Black I Lives Matter. Person, I know the person like, running that in Japan. Like, but they do marches. It would never, ever, ever and get it NHK. No, it, it, it gets no press coverage. Yeah. But in there America, like about a hundred people marching. Yeah. But... We're all over it in America. Yeah. Like they're all over it. Like they, they talk about these things. So like, there's so many things at play that affect the way that, People, Westerners, even like even scholars, supposedly mm-hmm. Japanese experts right. who have never been here, have never lived mm-hmm. here. <laughs> Japan is protest in a way, like there is protest. Well, folks, episode nine of Color Radio has finished. I'd like to thank Jared for coming on board, and now we're going to play some music for you. First up, um, some couple tracks by Little Bastards, who you heard us talk about tonight, followed up by all those lovely bands I mentioned at the intro, bands like Anal Volcano, Gozen, uh, Death Pops, all kinds of great stuff coming up.
沖縄の風土も本土の風土も海も山も空気も風も全て国家のものではありません。